Open your Bible, if you have your Bible, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 15. We like the book of Matthew because we have a couple of Matthews here. We have Matthew Humphrey, who's best known for being married to Tiffany Humphrey. Powerhouse couple for God. Powerhouse couple for God. I'm talking write music, sing music, compose music. Both of them will preach the lights out of this place. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Matthew Godkin, wave, every, wave, wave Matthew right there. He's the one that if it's too loud, blame him. Matthew Godkin does a great job. He actually, uh, you wouldn't know it, uh, but there is like $100,000 worth of equipment right here. But we didn't have to pay $100,000 for it because God sent us a man named Matthew Godkin who can literally design these systems. He can put them all together. Uh, he can, it, it's, not, it's not like you just plug it in and it happens. There's all kind of things that are happening. So he's a big blessing uh, to the house of God. Uh, he's been with us since the very first service that we ever had over at Old Hearn Road. Anybody was at Old Hearn Road? It was awesome over there. We had, uh, well, it was awesome. <laughs> but, bless God, I can tell you this, uh, our new building is going to be mo-awesome. It's going to be mo-better. Everybody say mo-better. It's going to be mo-better. It's going to be just uh, filled with life. and You know, uh, my wife, uh, Crystal, who uh, works so much with the children, she's over in Children's Church today, uh, she took the kids over to uh, the church that we come from where my pastor is to their vacation Bible school which was powerful but it just continued to stir up in us how just wonderful it's going to be to be able to be more of an outreach to the community uh, that a property is going to allow for us to do uh, I got two calls last week from two different evangelists one, uh, there were text messages uh, one, a guy named Dr. Tim Story do y'all know Dr. Tim Story? Yeah, he was on Oprah a couple days ago, and he flows in the Holy Ghost like for real, for real. Like he started traveling with Benny Hinn when he was 19. Has anybody ever heard of Benny Hinn? Yeah, he's got a little ministry. And then uh, uh, the other one was Brother Ivan Tate. Does anybody know Ivan Tate? He was wanting to come over. I said, bless God, I want you to come over. I said, but, you know, uh, we, we got the movie theater, and... Uh, you know, they don't allow us to show anything over PG-13, and you might be R-rated, Brother Ivan. <laughs> I said, man, I said, as soon as we get in that building, as soon as, we get in, as soon as the dust settles, as soon as the paint on the wall dries, we're going to have you over here and let you bless the people, let you prophesy. You know, one word from God can change your life. One word from God. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. God, the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. And what's interesting is God never asks you to do something that he's not willing to do. Meaning, uh, you're supposed to talk to God without stopping. And he would not ask you to do something that he doesn't do. Which means he's constantly speaking. When Jesus uh, spoke to the devil uh, in the wilderness, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Everybody say, I'm on Atkins. Man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds which is a present tense word that continually proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God's speaking to us all the time. No, we just have to have ears to, ears to hear. 
Sometimes he's that still small voice. Sometimes he's like he was in that story we read in John 12, where he literally will rise up and he'll tell the devil, leave her alone, because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah also. He's a lion. The devil is like a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion. Okay, Matthew 20, uh, excuse me, Matthew 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. Matthew 15, beginning in verse number 22. Uh, I want to teach this morning on how to get your prayers answered. How many of you have some prayers that it would just be great if God would answer them this week? I have a few. And, and the reality is, is there's ways that we get our prayers answered. There's, God has method to his uh, 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 kingdom. He has, he has ways that he is known to do things. And so how we can look at, uh, how do we figure out how to get a prayer answered? How do we figure out how to touch heaven? How do we figure out how to, we look at how it's happened before. Because the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. So if he did it one way for one person, he will surely do it again for another person. But you and I can learn uh, and get better at learning how to receive from God. Because just because God is blessing doesn't mean everybody is receiving. Amen? you got to know how to receive. So here we go. Uh, Matthew 15, verse number 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. This is a lady coming to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, uh, thou son of David. Uh, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Uh, now, number one, uh, you can pray all day long, and you can think you're fervent in praying until one of your babies gets sick, and then you really start praying. Your children, you can let somebody put lashes on your back, fine. But if somebody looks cross-eyed at your babies, you got a problem because there's something about your children that stirs something in you that desires results more than anything else. That's why it's so important to recognize that God did not call you his slave alone. God did not call you uh, uh, to be nothing but somebody who is ridiculed by a taskmaster. But no, God has said that you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. He said you are a child of the living God. So when you recognize that you're a child of God, you can put yourself in the same frame of mind that, 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 that you're in. You can see how he is whenever somebody's messing with your kids. It messes you up. You want to move. You want to do something. So the thing is, this lady comes to Jesus in a very desperate situation because her daughter is vexed by the devil when you pray for your kids there's just another level of prayer that comes on you well when you look at your kids you don't you don't sit there and think even if they do something wrong you don't throw them out in the street some of you would like to occasionally but we don't throw them in the street no we love our children why because they're our children you are a child of the living God. You are on the winning team. If you mess up, bless God, repent, get back in line, and let's keep, keep moving forward. But quit acting like that you're hanging over hell. You are not hanging over hell. Jesus Christ was suspended between hell and earth on a tree, and now we don't hang anywhere. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places. You're a child of God. There's something different about you now. That means you don't look at yourself the same. You don't talk about yourself. Oh, I'm just an old sinner. You're not a sinner. You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace. Well, I sinned yesterday. Great. Repent and get back in line. But quit acting like that Jesus has somehow lost his strength because you decided to cuss when you stubbed your toe. You think he didn't know you were going to cuss when you stubbed your toe? He knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says that you have been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Have you ever written a letter? 
Or maybe you, you, you wrote out a, a bill, you write out that check, and you take it, and you, you stick the check in there, and then I hate licking envelopes. Golly, I hate it. I like those kind you tear the thing off and it just sticks, but I can't stand licking an envelope. I'll, I'll be, this might gross y'all out, but okay. <laughs> just, I'll spit on the table and wipe the envelope on it, and then I'll Windex the table. I'm not licking an envelope. You know how I many people's nasty hands in some uh, factory got touched on that doggone envelope and they were doing it? I mean, it could have been somebody that took the envelope and went like this. Oh, this envelope's going to be great. I can't wait. Somebody, and then you get it to your house and you get it, you're like, ah. It's like, ah. Not doing it. I barely use forks and knives at restaurants. I'll bring my own little, little alcohol swab and just. Maybe I have a problem, I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but you're a child of God, therefore you are not what you used to be. But if you got that bill, you stick it in there, and then you seal it, and it's stuck. And then you're driving to the post office to put it in the mailbox, and you think, did I sign that check, or did I not sign that check? And you look at the envelope, but the problem is the envelope is sealed. So you can't tell what that check used to be. All you can tell is it is sealed now. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God for a day when He's going to come back, take us out of here, then we're going to spend eternity with Him. So quit beating yourself up, quit confessing over yourself that you're a sinner, and start confessing over yourself that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, and see how much your life starts to turn around. He's a changer of people, not a lever of the samer. He's very unique in that. So the woman came to Jesus and said, Have mercy on me, son of David. Now, we, we talked last week about how it's very important, not just that you come to God, but that you come to God in the right manner. She didn't come to Jesus uh, blaming Jesus for her uh, demon-possessed daughter. She came to Jesus blaming the devil for her demon-possessed daughter, that, that the demon uh, had vexed her daughter. So in your life and in my life, we have to understand that there is a lens that we have to look through. And that lens is God is good. God, my grandmother, uh, her and my uh, grandfather pastored church for 60 years together. And she loved it. She would play, you know, the piano and she would sing those old hymns. And, and she would always start off a service like this. She would say, God is good. And then all the people would say. And then she would say, all the time. Let's do that again. That sounded so good. God is good and all the time. If you'll look through that lens for the rest of your life, you'll realize that He's the answer and not the problem. If you'll look through the, the lens that God is in fact good and wants to bless you, that doesn't mean that you always are experiencing a mountaintop experience. You might be in the valley. You might be covered by the shadow of death. But God is good. He doesn't stop. He doesn't slow down about being good. He's an overwhelming force in your life. But if you have a false idea of who He is, now you can start blaming Him. But if you blame Him, listen, you're blaming the medicine. God is the fixer of your problem and not the instigator thereof. So mercy, uh, the Bible says, uh, was sitting there. And, 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 and literally, uh, the Lord says in verse 23, or doesn't say, He says, He answered her not a word. 
He answered her not a word. Now this is the first opportunity that this woman had to be offended. Have you ever prayed and you didn't hear from God? Have you ever prayed and it seemed like God didn't have the answer for you? No, no, no. With God, there are but three options with His answers. Yes, no, or not now. So when you pray, you have to understand, being in faith, that God is in fact good. So as and while you are praying, if you do not see the heavens open, if Jesus does not descend from heaven uh, with a scroll that's rolled up nice and tight, and pull the scroll out in front of you and give you the decree from his father that does not mean that God has fallen off of his throne it simply means that you still have some uh, 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 patience that you need to work out some faith that you need to believe God in but the reality is as we look at this and there's no question that the little girl needs mercy but the problem is is mercy and your need does not always without exception move God's hand Sometimes it does. Sometimes the Bible says that Jesus would be walking by. Who, by the way, Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you want to know what God is like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's still doing today what he did in those canons. That's what the four Gospels are called. So he goes and he's walking by. And sometimes, he would, the Bible said, he had compassion on them. And he healed them all. I'm just believing God that we're going to have a lot of those type services in our new building. Some of those compassion on them and heal them all services. I found that uh, in my studies that most oftentimes whenever we see him doing things like that where he healed them all, it's because a certain group of people got in one mind in one accord or a certain group of people decided to collectively press towards the mark. It's because a certain group of people decided to leave their old way of life and press towards the new way of life who is the tree of life, who is the son of God, who is the answer to all the questions that you might have. He is Jesus of Nazareth. But I found that the most of the time whenever he has compassion on them and heals them all, it's because a group of people are deciding to push towards him and not pull away so literally this woman's need does not move God doesn't even get an answer from God doesn't even get God to speak that was the first time that she had to be offended the first chance his disciples came and besought him said to Jesus send her away for he she crieth after us she keeps on crying out to us send her away this is the second opportunity she had to be offended. Have you ever been told to get away? Maybe you haven't been told to get away. But maybe you found out somebody was talking about you behind your back. Maybe you found out that it happened in church. <laughs> There's something about living for God that if you do it long enough, he will allow you opportunities to be offended. But the problem is, is there is no victory in offense. You cannot be offended. The disciples, the 12 who were supposed to be the closest to him and the closest represent, representation of his character and the closest representation of his kingdom, they were the ones who were talking bad about this lady. And listen to this, they were talking bad about her in front of her. Come on, disciples, get it together. They're talking bad about her in front of her. But she chooses not to be offended. Verse 24. But he answered and said, 
I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus effectively said this. He said, it's not her time yet. The answers that we get from God are yes, no, and not now. When Jesus finally speaks because the disciples are telling the woman, telling Jesus they want him to go away, he gives her the third opportunity to be offended. It's not your time yet. Some of you uh, are called to do great things. You've seen a picture of your future. Uh, God has showed it to you maybe in a dream or a vision or, or just something down in your knower. You know what's going to happen in your life. Listen to me. Just because you know what's going to happen doesn't mean now's the time. If you're not there, if you're not in that moment, then your job, your opportunity, nay, your responsibility is to prepare for when that moment comes. Because when it gets there, you can't prepare then. You don't send a soldier over to the Middle East and then teach them how to use their gun. You teach them now. Then you send them when they're ready. There's a day coming when God's going to launch you into something else. But your job is to do this. Make sure that you are constantly building up your faith. So in that moment, have anybody ever heard of a preacher named uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes? Kind of popular. Easily one of the greatest uh, uh, preachers of our generation, no doubt about it. Filled with revelation knowledge. And I heard him say one time, he preaches a very uh, popular message called, Woman, Thou Art Loosed. Just a powerful message, powerful word from God. And he said he received that message uh, uh, years before he was even at the Potter's House, his big church in Dallas that they built, the big mega church. He, he literally received that when he was preaching to just a handful of people. I can't remember where he came from, uh, Kentucky or Tennessee, something over there. But literally, he received that revelation long before it was time to deliver it. But see, we have to be preparing for when the moment gets there because if the moment gets there and we're not prepared, what good are we to the people? My job, my urgency has never been to build a crowd, never build, been to build a big crowd so people could hear me preach. No, my prayer, and any of the people that pray with me will tell you this, my prayers, oh God, when you send the people, let there be something inside me to give them. I don't want to see 10,000 faces and not have a word from God. I don't want to be able to preach and be making it up along the way. I don't want to be able to preach and without the anointing. I don't want to be able to preach without knowing that word. I don't want to be able to preach without the tangible presence of God. I don't want to be able to preach without the manifestation of the Spirit of God. I don't want to be able to preach just to say I've preached to a lot of people. No, God, if you're going to put people in front of me, make sure that I've got some good meat for them to eat. There's something about being prepared that will change your life. And a lot of times when we don't hear from God, we view it as a no. But it might not be a no, it might just be a not now. Also, there's only two kinds of people. So what Jesus said here is that I'm not sent uh, for people like her. I'm sent for the people uh, of the, uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When it comes to God, uh, there's not uh, all these different races and ideas that we have nowadays. There are only two types of people when it comes to God. Uh, you have Jews and you have Gentiles. That's it. Jews are uh, born naturally out of the seed of Abraham, and Gentiles are not. I am a Gentile. 
uh, Jews, the Bible says. Uh, uh, they were basically chosen by God. Uh, God put a bunch of statutes in place for them to follow. But there's only, uh, in his eyes, two different categories. So we come up with all these different categories in, God, in, in the world, and, G- and God saying, what are you talking about? There's only two, Jew and Gentile. And the separation was simple because he had to fulfill some prophecy that was there. But literally, what he's saying is this. He goes, he goes look, he said, there's going to be a day coming because the prophet Joel spoke like this. He says, uh, 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 there's going to be a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So he's literally prophesying to this lady, there's going to be a day coming, but it's just not today for you. But, 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 but here's the thing, you and I, sometimes you need God to move now. You want God to move now, not like he's a butler, but, 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 but because he is the answer. You looked and you, 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 you I, I love this song, it goes like this, it says, I've searched all over, couldn't find nobody, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Looked high and low, couldn't find nobody, nobody greater. Listen, you can search the world over, but when you got a little girl that's vexed with the devil, you need J-E-S-U-S. He is your answer, he is your solution, he is the answer to your situation and your problem. So there are moments in life when you are at the altar and you are praying and you're hearing not now, but you can push the accelerator a little bit and you can get God to move on your behalf. Somebody say how. Jesus goes on and he says in verse 25, Then she came and worshipped him. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Number one, we understand that our need does not always get God to move. And sometimes our prayer life, we can get to the place where we don't know what to do. Can I tell you what to do when you don't know what to do? Is to throw your hands up and throw your head back and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords because He alone is worthy. There's something about worshiping God that just reminds you who you are in Christ. There's something about worshiping God that energizes you to get through another day. There's something about worshiping God that sets your feet back on the solid rock which you ought to be standing anyway. There's something about magnifying God. This was the third opportunity to be offended though. Because now Jesus answers her But he says it's not meat to take the children's bread and to give it to the dogs. I'll bet you 99 out of 100 people, if Jesus had said that, would have left the church immediately. They would have left the kingdom. Now, you have to understand uh, that this Bible wasn't written in English first, okay? So in the original text, uh, yes, he does say dog, but he's not talking about like a stray dog. You know, uh, we have one word for dog in English pretty much that blankets all dogs. Uh, but, but like uh, in, 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 in those days, they had several different words for words that we only have one word for. So literally this word here is like a, a, a very well cared for a house pet, house dog. Like I have a dog. His name is Duke. Uh, he's a Jack Russell Terrier. He's tiny. Uh, he got he got stung by a wasp the other day. And, and I'm telling you, we we were just about anointing him with oil and raising him from the dead. That's how much we love this dog. He's walking around on three legs, trying to figure out what he's going to do. And, and 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 this dog, though he, I'm, I'm I'm almost ashamed to say it. He sleeps in our bed. 
my wife, she went to children's camp a while back. And when he went to children's camp, when she went to children's camp, uh, you married guys know the, the, the bed's a lot colder without your wife. And I didn't realize that the dog likes to lay up against somebody's leg because he never lays up against my leg. He lays up against my wife's leg. So he's laying up against my leg and I can't sleep. I just want to kick him because I'm like, you know, I don't want any hairy legs touching my hairy legs. You know what I'm talking about? So it's just weird. But, but we love this dog. He got bit by a snake one time and we were like doing CPR on him. I mean, we, we love this dog. We love him. We feed him every day. It's not like he doesn't get to eat. But can I say this? He doesn't eat before our kids eat. So what God is saying is, look, I made some promises to these people. And the day is coming when they're going to be able to walk up to any apostle. As soon as my blood is shed, as soon as I defeat death, hell, and the grave, everybody's going to get 100% unfettered access to this kingdom. But right now, we're dealing with some things. We're dealing with some issues. And I can't be taking the children's food and even giving it to the, the dog. We love this dog. We can't just take the children's food and give it to them. We can't do that. But, but, but here's, the, here's the problem. Here's what the world does. The world, uh, the world wants you to feed the dogs before you feed the kids. Y'all better pray for me, because I'm about to step in it. We feed the dogs before we feed the kids. The devil is more cunning now than he's ever been. More cunning than he's ever, ever been. He's more cunning than he's ever been, because he knows his time is short. So he's pulling out all the stops. He's pulling out eh, all the stops. I remember there was a, a play I watched one time, and it was about this lady, and, and she had... Uh, caught her husband being unfaithful or something and she she ended up killing him and whatever that's uplifting <laughs> but she ended up killing a guy and she's on the witness stand and, and the attorney's questioning her and the attorney's pressing her because she pled not guilty even though she'd done it so the attorney's going didn't you kill him didn't you kill him and she's like no 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 and finally she just flips and she goes yes i killed him and i do it again and the air just goes out of the room like and her attorney, the, the, the attorney who's questioning her, sits down. And they ask, the judge says, would you like to cross-examine the witness who just confessed to the crime that he had convinced her to plead not guilty to? And he says, why, yes, I would. And the spotlight comes on him. And he puts a hat on, and he grabs a cane, and he just starts dancing. And they ask him later, what are you doing? He goes, look. When they've got you dead to rights, sometimes you've just got to dance. Sometimes you've just got to redirect. This is what the devil is doing now. He is redirecting our attention. There's never in the history of the world, there's never in the history of the world, and I'm going to uh, censor some words here, there's never been in the history of the world a scene as brutal as what has played out over the last few days where it showed doctors and nurses taking uh, little babies with a stick and poking around their mutilated bodies and discussing them like you would discuss meat that you would buy at a butcher. It has never happened before. 
This is one of the greatest atrocities for a nation to be called a Christian nation. This is one of the greatest atrocities that has ever been, ever, 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 and we're just desensitized to it because of a gradualization of the exposure thereof, which means we have gradually gone away from God, and the further you get away from God, the less sensitive you become to the thing that is most precious to Him, which is life itself. So literally, it's never happened before. They're talking about babies and selling their body parts. God help this nation. So the devil goes, oh, oh, my goodness, I'm about to lose it. He said, I lost it uh, with Pharaoh because I convinced Pharaoh to take all the Jewish boys and throw them in the river. And then all of a sudden the Redeemer came and delivered them. And then I had it with Herod. And I said, all the little babies under two years old, I want them all killed. And then I lost it because the Redeemer came. Well, now in America for decade after decade, we've been slaughtering little babies. And the devil's going, oh, no, the Redeemer's coming. What am I going to do? He dances. He redirects. He puts in the headlines the death of a lion and tries to get the world to be more sensitive to the death of a lion than the death of a little baby that Jesus Christ shed His spotless blood for. This is a redirection. It is a shifting It is the enemy being more cunning than he's ever been. But the church of the living God is going to rise up and we are going to stand up. Somebody stand on your feet and clap for about 30 seconds because we're not going to let the devil have this nation. We're not going to let the devil have our children. We're not going to let the devil take our sensitivity to the things of God and the life of God. He's dancing. He's redirecting. The way you get somebody not concerned about one fire is you build another fire. I love lions. I'll take them to the zoo. I'll look at them. I'll go on safari. But a lion is not worth the blood of the lamb. Only children are. Be seated, please. I am so sick of the slow desensitizing that's taking place in this country and I can't stomach it anymore. Let me rephrase that. I won't stomach it anymore. I will not sit idly by and hear a bunch of nonsense plastered all over the... I can't even leave the TV on at my house anymore because I have children. Did you know that there are kids now that will be taught that something is right that has been wrong since the beginning of time? And by the time they hit 18, if they don't have uh, Christian parents that live on the Word and stand on the Word, it's going to be that much more difficult for you and me to convince them that the Bible is true. That's why we need the manifestation of the presence of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. So she worshipped Him. She began to magnify God. She began to worship God. They wanted to get rid of her. But she had her access code. 
You see, the Bible says that when you praise God, when you worship God, literally, He inhabits that situation in that area. That's why we work so hard at playing, and that's why we work so hard at singing, and that's why we work so hard at worshiping God, and that's why we work so hard at doing our very best to do it in excellence because we know He inhabits the praises of His people, so we don't put that as a sideline to church. That's not, that's not like you know the intermission of church. No, that's an activity where we're getting close to the presence of God, and the presence of God is getting close to us. We focus on it all week long. How can we magnify God? How can we worship God? And I encourage you in your car, I encourage you in your house to just be worshiping God all the time. Let the praises of God constantly come out of your mouth and let the praises of God constantly go into your situation because where the Spirit of the Lord is, you will find liberty. But it's different when you live for God. They wanted her gone, but she had her VIP pass. I've been to places, I, I, I've had a very favor-filled life, and I've been to places where you get to go to the back room and stuff, and they're like, uh, excuse me, who are you? And then you pull out your little VIP access card, you're like, huh. It's usually not a necktie, by the way, but boom. This is my access code. Open the door, Jack. There's something about living for God and worshiping God that gets you in His presence, but can I just say this, and with all the respect in the world, the presence of God does not promise you results. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, the presence of God does not promise you results. A man named Bartimaeus received his sight from Jesus, but there was a bunch of blind beggars there that day. They didn't get it. A man sitting at the pool of Bethesda, there's a bunch of people sitting there. He got healed. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says there was, you know, we could, we could probably think there was probably thousands of people there. And she pressed through the crowd. And boom, when she touched him, the Bible says dynamite power came out of Jesus. Healed her body. But Jesus was there. How come everybody wasn't healed? How come everybody? Jesus is here. How come everybody's not healed? Listen, worship will get you in the presence of God. That's a divine law. He said it. That's the way it is. But have you ever worshipped God, gone to church on a Sunday morning? Oh, my gosh. Tears running down your face. You couldn't sense the presence of God stronger. And then you get to Monday, and the same problem is staring you in the face. I know I have. That doesn't mean that God fell off His throne. It just means you've got to keep pushing the scripture says, she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the, the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's another opportunity to be offended. But instead, she said, truth, Lord, which is to say, whatever God said, believe it. If it's in his Bible, just I don't see it, just believe. I don't feel it, just believe. I don't experience it, just believe. You know, when you worship God, it's like a prize fighter, you know. You get in the ring, bang. For three minutes, they got to fight. Bow, bow, bow. And then, ding, you go back to your corner. 
Not their corner, not the enemy's corner. You go to your corner where you have the support, where you have people speaking life into you, where you have a place of rest to sit down, where they're going to give you something to drink. They're going to wipe the blood and the sweat from your face. And they're going to say, you can do it. Then they're going to give you a little advice. Keep your hand up. Keep this other hand up. Move to the left. Move to the right. You see, that's what church ought to be for you. It ought to be the place where you go to your corner and you get revived and refreshed. You see, that's why it's so important to be in the house of God. That's why we're going to get a building. So we can have a place to go and just get revived. So we can go sit in His presence. So that we can get refreshed by His presence. So we get built up on it. So we can get some word in us that will give us the strength. Because, you know, did you know God can see things that you can't see? The whole time a boxer's in there, his trainer's sitting over here at the side, and he's thinking, what's happening that I can help him with? And then by the time that fighter comes over, he goes, you probably can't see this, but if you'll swing it just this time, you're going to be able to get him, but you can't see it from your position, but God can see it all. When you don't know what to do, worship Him. And when you don't sense His presence, believe His Word. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole immediately from that very hour. Your need doesn't always move the hand of God. If that was the case, there'd be no starving children anywhere in the world. Your worship will definitely get you in the presence of God, but it doesn't mean you're going to receive But the one thing from the book of Genesis to where we are right now to the end of the revelation given to the Apostle John, faith and faith alone will please God, will move God, will cause God to show up in your situation. And one of the biggest, one of the most, uh, one of the largest inhibitors of faith is offense. I, it, bra- it literally, it breaks my heart. I talked to somebody this week. And we were talking, you know, how's it going, whatever. Man, I hadn't been in church in about five years. You're a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, why, 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 why aren't you in church? Why aren't you, why aren't you, you know, why don't you go to church? Man, this guy said this to me one time, and I was just like, whatever, these hypocrites in church. And it breaks my heart for several reasons. Number one, because the guy I'm talking to doesn't realize he's probably about ten times more of a hypocrite than the guy he's talking about. If we're just being honest. But number two, it breaks my heart because in deciding not to be in the house of God, you've let somebody else dictate your spiritual life. I would never give anybody the authority over my spiritual life, period. I don't care what they said to me. And it's happened before. It's happened before. It may happen again. But I remember more than one time, me and my wife just making the decision, hey, look, we'll just sit on the back row where we don't have to see them. I don't care, but we're going to be in the house of God. We're going to be at the spout where the glory comes out. We're going to worship God. We're going to magnify God. You've got to choose to not be offended. You're going to have plenty of opportunity to be offended. Johnny might step on your foot today. But you can't do it be offended. 
You can't get everything you need from God when you're offended. And when you need something and you need mercy and you don't get it, listen, you just got to worship. And when you worship and you're in his presence and you still don't have your answer, listen, you just got to have faith. You got to stay the course. You got to not grow weary in well-doing. You got to press towards the mark. Hebrews 11 uh, says it like this. It says, now faith is. Now. When is faith? Now. When am I going to have faith? Now. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's what I trust in when I can't see it or feel it. Faith. Well, how do you know that Noah built an ark? You've never seen it. Sure I have. Faith. What do you mean? Well, that's my evidence. What's it look like? Well, God described it in His Bible. It built out of gopher wood. Got a big old wall, a big door on the side of it. It's several layers tall. How do you know? By faith. You mean to tell me you really believe that, that, that Adam and Eve ate a piece of fruit and that's how this whole thing started out? Exactly like that, actually. Well, what? Well, what about this, that, or the other? I can't speak to that. Well, what do you mean you can't speak to that? Well, I don't know. I don't spend my time studying that. I study that. Well, how do you know? By faith. It's my substance. It's my evidence. Evidence is what's presented in court to prove somebody innocent or guilty. I hope there's enough evidence in my life to prove me guilty of being a Christian. I hope there's enough evidence in my life to prove me guilty of living for God. When they find me, I hope they don't have to go, Oh, you were one of those with Jesus. And I hope if I, if I lied about it and said, no, I, no, I'm not, which I wouldn't do in Jesus' name. But if I lied about it, I hope they would go, No, we've got all this evidence against you. You are a Christian. I saw you lay hands on the sick. I saw you preach the gospel. I saw you uh, be honest when nobody was looking. I saw you uh, honor your wife. I saw you raise your children in the fear and heaven. I, I saw you do all this. This is what I saw you do. I hope there's enough evidence. Faith is our evidence. What's heaven look like? Well, it's got gold streets. Really? What do the trees look like? Not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? Well, it's not spelled out that clear in the Bible. Huh. Well, how do you know it exists? By faith. How do you know it exists? By faith. My wife told me she was pregnant. I didn't doubt it. I never saw the baby for like nine months. But by faith, I believe it. It's my evidence. So in your life and in my life, it's very simple. You may not have your answer yet, but hold fast your confession of faith. You may have people trying to run you off. Hold fast your confession. You may have people trying to talk bad about you. Hold fast your confession of faith. You may have people rising up against you. You may have a lawsuit pending against you. Just have faith. You may have a bad report against your physical body. Just have faith. You may have a bad report against your uh, friend or family member. Just have faith. No, I can't tell you all the time when it's going to happen. All I can tell you is it's going to happen. Sometimes it happens in the morning. Uh, just like the day of Pentecost when the Bible says they were there about the third hour, about 9 o'clock in the morning, in one, one mind and one accord. And all of a sudden, all the promises from the book of Joel showed up in the upper room. Or it could be at midnight like Paul and Silas when they were playing the original jailhouse rock. And all of a sudden, an earthquake came, shook the place, and they were all loose from their bonds. And they got the whole place saved. I don't know when it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. How do you know? By faith. 
What do I do in the meantime? I keep talking to God. I keep worshiping God. And I don't let go of my faith. Let's all stand to our feet, please. I'm done teaching.